you already got them after you said you get out of school for three hours of the day that you could have added anything onto the end of that. And they're like, what? I don't care. Like my principal said, he's like, you get hurt in sports. We got sports. I think it's a good return on investment for the city to get involved and help out. Getting close to 15 kids in a group on the job site is a lot. Hey, everybody. That's my guest today on the Contracting Handbook Podcast, Matt Bloomquist. He's a shop class teacher that builds houses with the students. Today, we're going to look at what it takes to start and operate a program like this. The idea is let's get more schools involved and do whatever we can to get today's kids to be tomorrow's builders. And I'm talking to Matt today so I can do this in my community. And you can take this podcast and use it as a blueprint in your own. I've got nothing to lose trying this, but my community has everything to gain from it. It is very nice not having a hard deadline, not having a customer. There's no client, just like contracting. It's a special thing, some special traits you need to have, characteristics. You need to have an understanding of what you're getting into. Before you know it, you're like, yeah, that whole wall is going to be tore apart, guys. So I bring in the professional, the licensed professionals, and they come and say, okay, give them a rundown of how to do things. And then they'll come back after it's done and check it. Sometimes it's they just, a lot of our local realtors are local already and big supporters of the program. They're like, Hey, I'll take the commission and we'll donate it back. Pretty much. It's pretty much built a tiny house. And, and that, that, that became my office in mobile classroom. We can duck in there before we have shelter. It's, you know, rain and stuff. That's a, that's an interesting inflection on the, for the English teacher and the science teacher. There's so much involved and, and it is, because they can see the practical application. To get into class, you have to take uh, either one of two classes, intro to industry, um, which is the prerequisite. You're going to cover things in that, like wood shop, draft, a little bit of drafting, uh, maybe cover a little bit of AutoCAD. Uh, they can also take ag mechanics, um, ag mech one. Our teacher over there, they, 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 same thing. They get a little bit of welding, a little bit of woodworking, get a little, they get a little bit of everything over there. Second, you got to have, I have to get a good report back from teachers about you try everything, like as many things as you can do. Don't be afraid, travel some, experience different things, because that is the only way you're going to know what you like to do and what you don't like to do. When I was in shop class in eighth grade, I built a gumball machine and I thought that was pretty cool. But Matt Bloomquist builds high performance houses with his students. So here he is, Matt Bloomquist, teacher at hey, Mike. Taylorville High School in Illinois. How's it going, Matt? Good, man. Excited, Good. Excited Good. to be on here with you. Awesome. I'm, I'm stoked you're here. Um, so Matt, you, you're in this program teaching kids how to build high performance homes. This is incredible. Uh, how old are the kids that are building these houses? Um, we can have sophomores, juniors, or seniors. Mostly it's juniors and seniors. So you're, you know, 16 to 18 years old. Okay. And, and how did this program start? <clears throat> um, as we know it, kind of the modern program uh, started back in 1969, but we found an old picture from an old 
19 early 1900 year um yearbook that had a picture dated and i've seen the original picture back to like 1890 so this pro this program may have been around for a very very long time but as we know it since the 1960s late 1960s and then um we uh, went on pause a uh, handful just a few years ago and then we relaunched um in 2019 so we we are now on our third year of the most modern version of this program and how many houses have you built with the program i'm halfway through the second house but we are on since 1969 we are on house 28 currently that's incredible um yeah okay so and and you guys out there, there is another podcast. I believe it's Mechanics Hub. Or yep. make, yeah, uh, where they really. I think it's dive, make trades great again. Make trades great again. Yeah, um, it's a great it's a it's a great episode with Matt, and it really gets into the background on Matt. And I don't want to overlap that too much. You could listen to that there, but I, what we're gonna do today, like I said in the intro, is kind of talk about how you can start a program where you are. And I'm trying to do it where I live. And I've, I've pretty much lobbed some questions out to people in my community, uh, but I don't know exactly how to deal with this. One of the drivers for me is that we have a huge housing shortage where I live. Uh, mostly due to the fact we don't have the labor to get it done. After following Matt for a bit, I thought, well, we should do this here because it'll kill two birds with one stone. We'll create housing and get kids pumped about building. Before I build a house for a client, I require three things, land, drawings, and money. Matt, where do you get the land? So for us, land can come in different, different ways. Um, either we can purchase land just like anybody else could. Um, fortunately for us, uh, the house 27 that we just finished and sold uh, last fall, uh, we had a tornado rip through the town in 20, late 2017. Um, and we had a realtor in town that had a old small house that had a rental property and a tree crushed it. And he's like, you know, and we were getting ready to start this program. He still had the lot. And he's like, you know what, instead of wasting the money, trying to advertise and sell this lot, <clears throat> um, I'll just donate it to you guys and this can be the how you guys get the program started on on a relaunch. So first one we got donated to us. The second one that we're currently working on for house 28, um, a um, pretty much a meth head brother burnt down the house <laughs> when they were renting, although I'm not sure if they were paying rent. Um, yeah, got the house caught on fire, burnt down. The people that owned it was like, you know what? We don't want to deal with it. They let the city acquire it. The city tore it down, cleared, cleared out the lot. So it sat there for a couple of years. Um, the mayor, very supportive um, of our program. And he's been, ever since he became mayor, Not we don't have bad neighborhoods in our town. It's a pretty small town, but you have those bad houses that just got run down or just haven't been able to, for whatever reason, the upkeep just hasn't been there for several years. So they, the city will acquire those. They'll pay to tear it all down. They'll get to, they'll get the foundation and everything out there. And they, we split the back taxes on that one with the city. So it cost us 600 bucks and it was actually one block West of the house that we just built. So 
Um, right now we we're working, we work with the city and we pick up the lots that they have in either can't sell or just are sitting on for whatever reason. And so we go and build a house and add a nice, a nice house to the addition or the neighborhood and put people in there to start paying property tax on. So that's pretty much how we do that. But of course we could always buy property if we need to as well. So meth heads can have a positive effect on communities. <laughs> okay. Who, who designs the houses? So the first one I, I designed, uh, me and my wife designed it together. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where just going through ideas, plans, whatever. Um, the second, this one that we currently, uh, working on Steve basic, uh, handed us, uh, gave me a whole PD file full of floor plans that he's done. Like when they, he, he, uh, I think it's actually, he did, it was a project in New Mexico where he did a whole neighborhood of high performance houses. Um, so the houses fit really well into like a, a 50 by 150 lot in town. And he's like, you know, find the square footage that you guys like, you guys can use, you know, use whichever one you want. And so he provided the floor plan to us for free. So Steve's been a good supporter, good friend. And I can't thank him enough for everything he's done, especially getting me into the high performance build and what we do with the students stuff. So this one came was a generous donation from Steve. That's cool. And Steve was the uh, first guest of this season on the show. And uh, yeah, nice. that's all. Yeah. That's awesome. That, um, that you have an architect who's so into building science as your, yeah. As your designer. Neat. Um, okay. So now the big one, and this is really where, where it's at, who pays for this program? Where, where does that money come from? Who do I talk to if I want to do this? So once the program's going, the money comes from the house that you sell and comes right back around to you. Um, but to get it started, for us, we are very fortunate. We have a couple um, people in the town, in our town, that uh, were very successful in their in their life, and it started a foundation. And there's uh, and they they donate a lot. I mean, we're talking, you know, to the schools and everything. We're talking probably. I wouldn't be surprised if it's no less than a million dollars, almost a year kind of thing. Um, so they, this is something we were wanting to get started whenever I got hired on at the high school a few years ago. And the, the, um, that foundation came to us, said, Hey, here's $200,000. You guys can, you know, get the, the building trades program, house building program back up and going. And so that's how we got that. So we got very lucky that it came from a one big check. Mm -hmm. I would say most people that's not going to happen that way. You're going to, if you're going to start a program like this, um, you're, you're probably going to be looking at trying to get, you know, small to medium sized checks, uh, but multiples of them to get that money. Um, so yeah, for us, it, it came as a donation. That's, that's how we got started back up. If I am looking to get this program going in my town, who would I talk to first? Because there's a, as we've kind of discussed on the side here, it takes a village to get something like this going and to keep it going. Uh, do I, do I, I mean, I haven't talked to any teachers yet. I haven't, 
I haven't even run it by anybody at a school. Um, where do I start? I'm going to say, since money is going to be part of it, you, obviously your, your biggest money's the big one, right? We know, we know that. Well, I'm sure we'll continue talking about the money one. Um, support. If you don't have the support, you know, what, what's the money going to do, right? If okay. maybe, you know, if, if there's nothing pushing, you know, you got the funding, but nothing's pushing that funding to do something with it, then, you know, even the fund, the money comes worthless. So I'm going to say probably rally, you know, rally the troops. You know, we talked, you know, it takes a village kind of thing to do this. Um, you know, get the, the professionals in town behind the idea. Uh, sure, they, they may not be the ones that can, you know, throw out tens of thousands of dollars or whatever. But if you have the support of the building community, um, I think that's the big first step because obviously we, I haven't talked to anybody anywhere, even in the world at this point where the need for people going into the, you know, construction industry, architectural engineering, construction injury in industry, isn't, isn't shorthanded. So the, especially trying to get the younger, you, you know, younger generation interested. So the fact that you have these people saying, Hey, you know, th this is something that we would be wanting your students to go through and hire them from. So, you know, to the school, it's going to look good. All right. Well, we have this program. We're sending kids out our, that are at this level of training, whatever level, you know, we want to establish and they can get jobs right away, right? Every school is trying to get kids college prepped, college ready. Um, but the thing is, not everybody goes to college. You know, we um, tradespeople talk about this all the time. Everybody talks about this. You know, you got military, you got workforce, you got college. The, the, the options, there's, there's plenty of them. So having, having that industry support, because it shows, I think it shows that need um, and that people are serious about that need. I think that's the good starting point. Um, and usually it's an easy one to it's, I, I would say it's the easiest ones to get just because of the situation we're in. Um, yeah. They may not be the ones throwing, throwing around the big money yet, but I think that's, that's okay at this point. Um, once you get those people behind you, then, you know, kind of dial into some of your people in the community that are, um, you know, play, play the political game. Get the people are a little bit persuasive. Get find the people that have a little bit of money to, um, you know, back this a little bit or or get the ball rolling. You know, so um, yeah, be be, you know, it's kind of rally rally the troops first, I guess. That would be step one. Before land, before drawings, before money, I gotta, I gotta talk to people in my industry first. Talk to people about money and just get the get the ball rolling, get the idea out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, cause when, when you go talk to the school, cause you know, after, 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 after you got the support, then you got to go talk to the schools going to be next. Right. Cause yeah. if the school doesn't get on board, well then, I mean, they're the ones that make it have to make it happen because you're trying to use their facility, their students, their, you know, their, their resources to run this program. So coming, you know, one person saying, Hey, I think, you know, one contractor in town saying, Hey, you know what? I can't find anyone to hire. You guys should really start this program. School's going to be like, yeah, okay, who are you, right? So unless right. you're just some really big, you know, unless you're just hiring, you know, hundreds of people in the community, I'm going to say you're, you're just not going to have the weight that it takes to have that impact. But when we you come in there and you got, you know, 
it, for our town, it's every contractor, electrician, plumber, I mean, it's everybody. So we're a small town of 10,000. So we're not talking like a huge mob of people or nothing, but every, everybody's, you know, calling to make a phone call and saying, Oh, the plumber can't get here. I can't get a hold of electrician to, you know, so-and-so has a, you know, six month wait list. I'm like, yeah, you know, join the club. You go whatever state you want to, it's going to be the same phone call. Right. So yep. coming in there with the, uh, the, the, the mob behind you, then talking to the schools, you know, that that's, that's going to be the next step because and with the school, you want to approach the school as, you know, don't just go in and say, Hey, you guys want to start a building trades program. Um, I think this would be really great. Cause all they're going to see is, you know, like they, you know, especially for a program like mine, they may just see a $200,000 price tag and be like, yeah, right. So the answer, if it's a yes, no answer, it's an easy no. Now, if you go in and say, okay, we have this group of people, they're committed to helping. They are committed to, you know, showing up and, you know, donating a little bit of time, uh, maybe even donating some money. If you, if you can start rounding up finances as soon as possible, that's great too. Or getting people who would be interested in donating, that's, you're going to kind of be doing that all every step of the way, really. Um, then, you know, you, you approach the school as what would it take for you guys to start this program? We have this part of it. What do you guys need to have done to make this happen? Because now you're not answering a question of a yes and no. Now you're trying to work together to solve a problem, to create something. And that's a lot more fun. And not that it isn't a challenge, but at least you, you take that easy yes, no out of the, out of the equation. Now, of course, if you ask and they said yes, well, even better, but um, you know, it's one of those things where the more dedicated people to this may be doing more of the legwork to get it rolling, which is how that works with anything in life. So. Okay. So um, in my head, I feel like if I go to a school, the first thing they're going to see besides money is liability and sure. danger, you know, because especially now, uh, currently it seems like uh, people don't want to expose their children to anything that might harm them. So yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's the deal with liability and who, who's liable for if people getting hurt or, you know, how do I, how do I well, like my to that? Like my principal said, he's like, you get hurt in sports. We got sports. <laughs> so yeah. the school's already got the insurance. I don't know. I cannot speak and say how it exactly works. Uh, a lot of schools already probably have some kind of shop class, maybe automotives, um, ag welding, things like that. So we're already doing things that probably have the insurance coverage for what we're about to, you know, for building the house. Um, you, technically, since the school owns a property, it, I think it becomes very simple on the insurance side because it's just property, whether it's, you know, adjacent or attached to the school building property itself doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, in our district, we have property all over town with our build, different buildings and stuff. So the insurance thing never seemed to really be a big problem. And that is a big, good question because it's necessary. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, I think just having sports and everything and, you know, each place is going to be different. I'm sure. I think a lot of that starts getting sucked up pretty fast. So, um, I, I haven't heard anybody have problems with the liability side of things. 
but it'll definitely be something that you guys, anybody would want to make sure they dot their I's and cross their T's on because that, that is important. Just, just like if we have a business, I mean, it's, it's all the same, right? So um, yeah, but I, I'm going to go on a limb and say most schools um, are probably already in a position to have this problem covered. That's cool. I, you know, I just didn't consider sports and yeah, people get hurt all the time. So it's, it's part of the yeah, deal. We got um, way more injuries in sports than I have in shop class or in trade class. So I bet, I bet. Yeah, no doubt. Um, hey, PE people get hurt way more in PE than in our class. So, <laughs> right. Dodgeball probably takes out more people than, than shop. Right. Class. Yeah. I don't even think you're allowed to play dodgeball anymore. Or maybe you have to call a different game now. I don't know. <laughs> it was dodgeball was a pretty brutal sport for some kids, I think. Um, okay, so oh, yeah. Um, so we've talked to the school. We got a teacher who's on board. The school's thinking about it. I've got some people who might donate money. Some subs that are like, okay, well, we might donate some. Getting this, if you can get the city on board too with this, that's definitely a bonus. I wouldn't say it's a necessity, but okay. it's definitely a bonus because they can waive things like, uh, you know, we they don't charge us for the sewer tap. Um, you know, we may have to pay pay for if, if whoever's doing the work, you know, sometimes they donate the, the work to us. Sometimes they charge us what, you know, every business, small business in their own and large business in their own situation of what they can afford to do charitable work as far as far as that goes but the city waves the uh, sewer tap for us um um i don't think i don't know i don't know if we have a water hookup or not um but any any fees that we have with the cities uh the permit all free they you know they sign off they give us the building mm. permit all that stuff um so um we I believe we still pay the property taxes while we're doing this, but the good thing is the property taxes are so low because it was an empty lot to begin with that it's really, that's really not a big deal. So, but if you can get the city on board, because for the argument for the city is, Hey, we're going to build you guys a house. Sure. Maybe it doesn't happen as fast as, you know, if you were coming in and building with your, your crew and uh, subs, but you know, let's say within two years, we have you a house. Somebody's going to move in. It's going to be nice. Uh, which should bring a better clientele as far to purchasing in that house. And you're going to collect real estate tax on this or property tax for God knows how long. Right. right so right, right. It, it, I think it's a good return on investment for the city too, or the municipality to get involved and help out. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, losing out what maybe let's say a couple thousand, few thousand dollars up front, but they're going to make that back on their property taxes over and over and over again. So if you can get the city on board, definitely do it. And then the other thing we have to do too, with the school, we talked about liability. We will have to figure out transportation for the kids to the job site. Some schools may be okay with kids driving back and forth. That's probably going to fall on the liability side mm. for us. We have a, the, but the, uh, actually the bus service, brings them back for the school bus service brings them back and forth for us. So transportation is one thing you guys will have to figure out. And that's probably going to fall when you guys are talking about liability. Mm -hmm. And going back to the city stuff, um, the municipal utilities are hooked up the, and, and are they, are they waiving taxes in that second year when the parse, the house is partially developed, they could 
potentially add improvements to the tax bill. Are they waiving that in that second year? Because it, you are also building a high performance home. So you're adding a very high quality house to the, to the community that actually, because it has a higher value is going to be more revenue for the, for the city. Uh, is that a consideration? Um, you know, I, you know, are you saying like once we sell it to the homeowners, are they getting no, break no, while we have it that second year? I'm, I'm just saying while you have it that second year. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't think they do any adjustments for us. Um, even though the house may be a certain level, I think it's just they, they just let it go. Unimproved. Um, so they're, you're getting taxed on unimproved land until the house is done, basically. Yeah. Nice. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I don't. That I makes don't, sense. Yeah, I don't think they mess with it. Yep. Kind of like a, we we won't ask if you don't tell kind of thing. Even everybody yeah. knows. Who is the general contractor? That's what I was by profession. Um, I was a carpenter, general contractor. So I am the general contractor along with the teacher. Like the school literally is like, Matt, go build a house and let us how let us know how it's going. <laughs> so, you know, po post fun things on Instagram about it. <laughs> wow. A teacher and a GC. You are a busy man. Oh, and Matt's got uh, yeah. six kids. Yeah. Right on the other <laughs> podcast. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. I, you know, what's funny is I, I got out of uh, contracting to go teach because it was less stressful. I'm just as busy, but it is less stressful. It's just kind of funny to think because when I leave the job site, if I don't want to do anything more, I don't have to. But as we all know, building a house, you always have something you're always kind of tinkering with or working mm -hmm. on or mm -hmm. lining up the next day. But as a teacher, you're doing that, too. So that that was an easy transition. But yeah, my, my colleagues at school, they, they always joke around with me saying I'm self-employed with benefits. <laughs> so nice. I get it. They let me, they, I get it. I'm off away from the, the, the campus. Uh, I, I mean, I, not that I get to do whatever I want, but as far as the curriculum goes, it's whatever working on the house is the curriculum. So, um, you know, I'm not following any kind of strict rigid guidelines or anything and stuff. Uh, but yes, the house itself, as we, most people listen to this and you know, it's, um, general contractor. It's just my workforce is a bunch of untrained high school kids. <laughs> my entire workforce is <laughs> minus a few subs that come and help us. And how many kids are in that class right now? Uh, morning class has 14 afternoon class has 11. So we're at 25 and we'll max it out at 30, like 50, getting close to 15 kids in a group on the job site is a lot. If it was, if ideally I would love to have nine and nine. So that way I could divide up and have three groups of three working in each session. Um, now if the kids are pretty well behaved and I don't have to worry about um, kids messing around and stuff, you know, 12 to 15 kids isn't so bad, but if you get a rowdy group, oh man. Uh, even, yeah, even I, having, can be even as a even as a general with you know when i've got subs overlapped on a job site it's chaos uh there's yeah. so much there's so much going on there's so much noise and there's so much awareness that needs to be had yeah things things can go bad quickly and that's the other thing too that's why you know um obviously on the safety side things can go very bad quickly but just on when they're working on something I mean, they can get going. Those kids can get cranking things out. And before you know it, you're like, yeah, that whole wall is going to be tore apart, guys. <laughs> you know, because 
you, you just got so far so fast while I was helping this other group. So like yesterday, for example, this perfect example, um, I had kids running wire. Uh, we, we were uh, roughing in the, uh, the, the lighting for the, the crawl space. We were roughing in the lighting for the attic. So we had lights to work up in these areas. And then I um, was had kids laying out and installing boxes in the house. So all three levels. So I'm literally going from, I'm getting my laps in from up in the attic, down in the crawl space, onto the floor. And then while doing that, um, I had a couple kids help me. I was skimming um, the drywall, uh, running the flat boxes on the drywall in the garage ceiling real quick. We were just, we're skimming. We had a few runs we needed to skim real quick. So, I mean, I, on a job site, you know, a 50 by 150 foot piece of property, I've put in over six miles before in steps, like, and I've never got, I've never left <laughs> the yard. Um, and it gets crazy. And you, like, cause now obviously as the, the, the job goes on, the kids start getting the hang of things. So at this point of the job, they're not completely green, but roughing in wiring is totally new to them. So, but the good thing is they understand how to, you know, I can show them how to tack a, a wire staple on once. And they're like, okay, we can do that. Um, you know, pop out the back of the box, drop the wire in, show them how much needs to stick out. This is just part of, um, you know, obviously for electricity to work perfectly, it doesn't have to be perfect straight runs. You know, some electricians got that wire looking good, right? Our wire is not going to look that good. It looks pretty good. And it's going to work just as fine as the professionals who is like Instagram perfect. But ours isn't going to look that nice, but it ultimately it still works. So, um, you know, and then also you learn which kids you can put where to rely on, you know, their their um, ability to think through the, the problem. You, you know, usually make sure you have one of those kids in each group to kind of uh, keep keep them going, you know, form another group or whatever. So it, it, it gets crazy. It gets hectic. Um, but I don't know. It's just like, just like any general contractor, any teacher, it's, it's all the same, man. You just, you gotta put the right people in the right place and then just pray a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like Aaron Jones says, everybody has to learn somewhere and, and got it. Yeah, that stuff's not going to look perfect, but the sense of accomplishment must be incredible for the kids at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, well and you make a good point. It, you know, they got to learn somewhere and here's the thing. If they mess it up, just make them redo it. We're not on a super strict timeline. So if they have to, you know, tear apart a wall when they're framing, cause they, one side, one end of it, they put on the wrong side of the line cause they weren't looking where the X's was or whatever. Well then yeah, learn how to strip off the bottom plate and knock out the nails and reframe it. So it's, it's all, it's, it's all learning. Like tell the kids it, it sucks. And that's why it's called learning. Cause it sucks and hopefully you don't do it again, but you will. I mean, how many of us have built, I mean, there's guys that built thousands of houses that'll mess up a wall. It just, it just happens. Everybody has a day. And, and that's why I tell the kids, it's like, you know what? I'm not going to let you mess anything up. That isn't totally unrepairable or super expensive. You know, now when they're carrying expensive windows around, I'm like, okay, now you guys got to slow down, take your time. I'll work with you guys. You know, when we're doing that stuff, then everything kind of slows down and I'm right there side by side. But you know, when you're roughing in wire, drilling holes, you know, it's, it's at this point, the kids skills are getting good enough where they can kind of understand that control that and they do a pretty good job, but yeah, I'm not going to sit here and brag to say that's going to be the best picture on Instagram, but it's going to be still a pretty good, 
pretty good job. Who does the inspections on all the work? And uh, do you have like city or or a specialty inspector that you've hired or how's that work? So for us, we don't really have, I mean, we have a, and I just found out um, on the last house, we actually have a plumber inspector that comes and checks. Like I, all the time when we were building, like we don't have a framing inspector. The city doesn't come check anything. Like it's, you know, it's kind of, there's a lot of sometimes around here you build without permission to ask for forgiveness kind of thing going on. But uh, you do have to have a permit and all that stuff. Uh, plumbing inspector, um, we do have, they'll come check. But all they really checked was the vents, the pipe, make sure we had pipe venting, but they never looked as, I mean, everything below could have been hooked up wrong. And they, you know, so it's real wishy-washy here for us because uh, there's nothing really official. But the way I take care of that is obviously I'm a contractor by trade. I'm a generalist and all the other sub trades. So I bring in the professional, the licensed professionals and they come and say, okay, sometimes they'll come and show the kids give them a rundown of how to do things. And then they'll come back after it's done and check it. Sometimes it's, they just, I, they answer my questions. Like I said, at this point, I know enough about electrical and plumbing that I can get us to where we need to be. Mm -hmm. Maybe we have to do a few fine adjustments or redos, but pretty much I bring those guys in there that I've worked with for all these years when I had a company and say, Hey, come over, double check things, you know, electrical. We obviously have them come in when it's time to, um, you know, hook up the power to the service pan or to the uh, breaker panel. Um, but the kids will run all, they'll hook up all the, the breaker panel, all that stuff, plumbing, uh, same thing, have a licensed plumber come in. All right, look at everything. In fact, it was, it was kind of, it was a nice um, compliment when the plumber comes in, he's like, you guys did this? I'm like, yeah, man. He's like, shut up. I'm like, dude, what? He's like, that looks way too good for you guys to have done this. I'm like, I'm telling you, like I was really, I was involved with it. I was helping, but it was me, the kids. And it also happened during COVID. So it was me, the kids, and even my own, my uh, fourth grade daughter or stepdaughter was down there helping like hook up, you know, the, the drain lines and stuff. So I was like, yeah, man, this is, you know, I guess, you know, sometimes the carpenters will, will kind of overdo it on, uh, you know, electrical and plumbing, you know, because we're, you know, trying to make things straight and look nice. Obviously plumbing isn't straight, it's sloped, right? But uh, yeah, I just, that that's how, I, that's how I take care of any of the, uh, make sure codes are followed and all that stuff. We just bring in the professionals since we don't actually have any official light uh, inspectors that we have to run through. We just bring in the pros. So when you sell the houses, are, is it, is it with a realtor or is it FISBO? Yeah. So we, we have um, a realtor that donated his services. In fact, he donated the first lot and he's like, and he donated services. He said he'd donate services whenever um, yeah, in fact, whenever we're picking out the lot for the next one, I talked to him a lot about, you know, the pro, you know, what do we think we could get, you know, is this, you know, cause we got to talk finances and budgets and stuff like we talked earlier. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so what he does is he, he'll, he'll run all the advertisements, all that stuff, come in, they get all the pictures taken, just like you're, you know, you hired a realtor to come in, we get full service. Uh, what he says is anybody, any realtor, that buys the property, we would pay their commission, but he collects no commission. And then since a lot of our local realtors are local already and big supporters of the program, they're like, Hey, I'll take the commission and we'll donate it back. So we, we had one person, um, he's a good buddy too anyway. And he's like, 
he, he straight up told the, his clients, he's like, yeah, if you guys end up buying it, he goes, I'm going to take our commission div, donate right back to the program. So we, we get, that's pretty much how it works. It's, you know, as far as the buying selling process, it's all the same if it, for anybody, it's just the commissions get kind of returned back to us, which is nice. And then that money cycles back around for the next project, of course. Yeah. So that I'm kind of going that direction. Now, do you make anything extra or do you, are you just, are you, you're a salary teacher and, and I, you know, if we make a profit, I don't get any cuts right now. If we started making huge profits, then I may try to negotiate uh-huh. <laughs> something, but uh, we haven't hit that point yet. We're just not, our, our market is, even though we have a demand for property or a demand for new houses and stuff, um, the values just aren't super high. You know, we don't, yeah. we don't, it's not, you're not, we're, we're pretty much the only people that can really afford to come in build a house because we have free labor and sell it at a affordable price in our town at the moment. Um, Cause if you, you, you threw on the labor cost, you'd be probably pushing a hundred thousand dollars upside down right off the bat to build. So, yeah. but uh, for me as a, since the program does the teachers um, and, and a lot of this, this is kind of true for a lot of shop teachers. I know usually shop teachers actually get paid a little bit more. So you have your base salary shop teachers usually get a little bit extra. Um, I don't know if it's got like a hazard thing or something. I'm not sure why um, now for me doing the house building program. So I get that extra uh, kick back on my salary or I guess step up on my salary Um for build, doing the building trades. Plus they, they give me 10 extra days in my contract uh, to help compensate for the extra time I spend on it. Now I may negotiate for the 20 day one that I know our ag teachers have, because they do a lot outside of the classroom. All teachers do a lot outside of the classroom, but um, no you know, projects like us, we, we have no choice. We have to do stuff outside the classroom because you have to go to lumber yard. You have to do things like that. So they, they compensate us by that. So they give us, you know, extra. Uh, so I guess I get two, I get 10 extra days on my contract. So that's an extra um, perk. Um, so it's nice to get a little bit of kickback there. And so I, I, and from what I understand, it's not too uncommon for shop teachers to get these and vocational teachers to get these kind of little bit extras added onto a salary. So for me, um, I think I make about. Well, I'd, I'd imagine that there's so many little punch list things that come along. I mean, in between phases and, you don't have a paid employee to go over there and be like, Hey, go do this. You know? So it's you, I know this yep. from my own experience. Yeah. And that's a lot of extra time. You thought it you were is. done. In fact, last summer, cause we knew we, we were so close to getting done. We knew we wanted to get the house done. So we can get going on the next one. Cause with remote learning COVID, all that stuff, we know everyone knows how that, that story goes. So that drug that house out longer. So I w- went over there all pretty much all summer. I mean, I had my, uh, you know, stepdaughters are there helping pressure wash the house and getting things ready and, uh, putting a fresh coat on the shed that was already there on the property. And, uh, my wife helped with, you know, spreading some mulch and stuff. So I, and I kept track to see how much time I spent over there and I racked up and I was just doing a few hours of time, you know, when it worked out in my summer schedule with the kids. And I still racked up over 20 hours. So our days are seven and seven and a half hours as a uh, scheduled day for us as a teacher. And I'd racked up over 20 of those over the summer, um, working there. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things where hopefully this one, I don't have to do as much. Uh, like I said, if, uh, we're at a point, especially let's say we just need to finish, finish and drywall, 
then I'll go over there and get that finished up. So that way when the kids come back and probably have it, everything primed and ready. So that way when they come back, we're into setting doors, putting up trim, painting cabinets, things like that. Um, but yeah, my goal this summer is to spend less time over there. Uh, but I will look at the schedule and see what I want to have done to make sure we hit a point just because, you know, and you, you're, you get excited, you know, we all know how it is. It's so much fun starting a new project, right? Especially a new build. That's the exciting part. And then you get to the end and that's the part that drags. And then you're just like, God, if I have to go to this place one more time. Right. Um, and, and, you know, for a residential build for professionals, that's not very many months on a 1600 square foot house. But when you, for, especially the COVID last year, when you're there for two, same built place for two years, you're like, dear God, just let's get this thing done. Um, we all go through that. <laughs> At least there's not a client there. Yeah. You, uh, t- you know what, Mike, <laughs> that is a good point. Anybody. Okay. So this is for anybody's listening that thinks maybe, or maybe I don't want to teach a program like this. Right. First of all, teaching is a, it's a special just like contracting, it's a special thing, some special traits you need to have, characteristics. You need to have an understanding of what you're getting into, hence why Mike has his podcast anyway, so people understand what they're getting into when they become a contractor, especially when you're in business. But it is very nice not having a hard deadline, not having a customer, there's no client, and I get to go pretty much at my own pace. Now, the trade-off on that is, like I said earlier, my workforce is 25 high school students with little to no experience other than what I give them. So there's a trade, there's a give and go on that one, right? I mean, it's, uh, I don't have to, I don't have the headaches like I had when I was a contractor. So, but I do have some different headaches. <laughs> I guess pick your battle. <laughs> no, doubt. I highly re- recommend it. If, you're, if you're a good teacher, if you're good with kids, if you got patience, if you don't mind slowing things down, man, it's, it, it's, it's a need in the, in the schools that do have programs to find teachers. So I, hi, I highly suggest anybody seeing what they need to do to be eligible to teach and go into it. It's especially when you start getting older, you know, 30, 40s in the, in your career, even though it's now that's young in the, in our industry. Uh, it's a lot less hard on, it's maybe a little tougher on the mind in your patience, but it is way easier on your body. Mm, I like that. Now, yeah. um, going back a minute, kind of missed it when you were talking about the drywall part. Are you guys finishing it? Or are you, you, are you taking it to level four, level five? Finish? <laughs> Definitely not level five. <laughs> um, yeah, so... We, we're doing our own drywall finishing. Uh, we, we actually have a, uh, he's a retired teacher now. Uh, he was a retired science teacher at the junior high and he's a really good drywall finisher. He's a good, he's a good carpenter period, but he's really, he's excellent drywall finisher. And he's the one that's kind of been loan us, uh, the automatic tools and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Can-Am just sent us some, um, semi-automatic tools. Those things are pretty cool. Um, we, we, we have been talking with level five. We, we may end up having some level five tools uh, here soon. We'll, we'll see how that works out for us. Um, whether it's purchased or discounted or donated, we're still working that out. We, you know, so, um, big thanks to the companies who have been stepping it up and we can talk about that too. 
and the kids, some of the kids, I have some kids that are actually pretty good, even w- w- whether it's the, the, the automatic or semi-automatic tools, or even with the, the knives, you know? Um, so on that one, like I told Mel, I was like, all right, we'll go, we'll get this to this, a certain point. We'll make sure you come in and take a look that we don't get it to a point where we have to do a lot of work. And then he just comes and does any touch-ups for us. And the last house, him and I did the whole house, end up doing, because we had just got halfway through mudding and taping when COVID shut us down. So him and I went and finished the rest of the house and it turned out pretty good. And now Grant, he's a professional. So it wasn't a surprise, but uh, like right now we, we were doing our drywall finishing in the garage and then the whole thing will get textured. So that's a great pr- place to practice with the kids um, because, you know, we can you'd be a level two and you texture it and nobody knows any different. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we don't, we're not going for level five stuff. It's, but you're, when it's done, you don't see the seams. Uh, now going back to sale of the house. That part, I don't, I don't get any say in or anything. Right. Um, which is, it's kind of nice at the same time. Some people may want to be in a position to know more. Um, as far as I know, it all just goes right back into the building trades account. Um, I'm sure if we had big enough profits, they may take it and use it elsewhere. How, I mean, however, the rules and the books are set up in each district, I'm sure is probably, you know, a little different from place to place. Um I would say, especially at the beginning, I would encourage the schools to use that profit to a keep it to make sure, you know, cause you could have it like, you know, our first one, we actually technically lost a little bit of money on it because of COVID dragging out. We had to have temporary heating, porta potty rentals. So the business side of it kind of added to our costs. Um, so I would say just like any business, you'd probably want to hold on to some of that. Now there's probably some rules for each how schools and States work on what money they can hold on to and can't hold on to because technically you're not running a business. So that one, they, they would probably, you know, their accounting department for the district to know more about that. But I would just say, make sure it cycles back through. Um, if you, if you're allowed to keep a cushion, by all means, keep a little cushion, just for the same reason any business does for whatever reason. Um, and also use it to start scaling up. Um, you know, one of the things we've been working on is I would love to have enough scaffolding to go all the way around the house, have it decked off all the way, railed off all the way. So when it's time to set in trusses, the kids are just setting them off of, um, a whole walkway platform all the way around the house. Um, you know, we could shingle, we could, we could do everything from it that, Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we've been using extra money and grant money to beef up that kind of stuff. So I would say, um, you know, fight for the idea of, uh, if you can keep a, if you can keep a little cushion, keep the cushion for the rainy day. And then also, uh, if you're doing really well, start, start beefing up the program. You know, if there's some specialty tools that you need to get, you know, like drywall finishing tools, you know, invest the three to $5,000 it takes to get that. Um, so that, that's how I, I would, if it's up to me, that's, that's how I'm using the money. That leads to another question that I didn't really have set up here is where are you storing all the tools? Where that, I mean, running a crew requires so much stuff. I mean, I've got so much stuff and I don't have, you know, the storage is always a huge issue. So tell us about that. Okay. So that's a really good question. And that's something we're actually a problem I deal with and working on currently. So when we, when we tooled up the program at the very beginning, when we got our money donated, we bought a tool, uh, you know, enclosed trailer, 
the kids and I built out the storage. Uh, we we tooled it up just like any any other construction. So we have we have a tool trailer. You know has you know everything pretty much everything we need from saws, impact guns, screw guns, nail guns. You name it. You know we got it. Yep. Um, one thing we also did was we built a mobile classroom. Um, it was a hundred percent donated project before we started. Uh, we pretty much, it's pretty much built a tiny house and, and that, that, that became my office in mobile classroom. We can duck in there before we have shelter. If you know, rain and stuff, that's been a true blessing. If you're able mm. to find a way to do that, I highly suggest it. It's a great first build project too. And for the most part, relatively inexpensive. And you can usually get that. We got that all donated through the community. I just made phone calls said, Hey, this is what we're doing. Can you donate this? You know, the heating and cooling company gave us a mini, did the mini split and hook up for us for free on it. Um, pretty sweet mm -hmm. deal. Uh, now storage is definitely an issue for us because you're acquiring things like scaffolding. You're acquiring things like that, that you just don't leave on the job site all the time. We had a nice big storage shed at the school. Unfortunately, last year it caught on fire and burnt down. And so we had the the Rockwell insulation we had in there stored over the last one got ruined, even though it didn't burn because Rockwell doesn't burn. It had smoke damage, so we couldn't use. Um, the scaffolding we had in there was okay because it was metal. There was no, no harm to it and where it was at. But um, if, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, actually getting a, we have an, op an opportunity to get a, uh, an, uh, an old, like a bread truck, an, an enclosed box truck uh, that we're going to use and have, staff scaffold storage in it along with some specialty tools and also uh i want storage for uh plumbing and electrical supplies because i always have to go to the hardware store for plumbing stuff so i want i want my own mini hardware store parked on the job site uh, when it comes to plumbing um but that is that's an issue um that, that's definitely a tough one because it's not like on a job site where the plumbers come in they do their thing they take their crap and they leave electrician same way right we have it all. We're doing everything. So we're every sub, we're every, you know, we're the main contractor, we're the subcontractors, we're everything. So I have all this stuff. And the old classroom I had out in the old mechanic shop um, at our school, when the uh, building burnt down, I started putting stuff in there and it is full of junk now. Um, mm. Some of the stuff we go and pick out, and re we reuse it. Some of the stuff is old tools from the previous program. Um, that just were too outdated and just not really great to have. Um, so I, I need to just take that to auction and get it sold. But <clears throat> storage, that's a challenge. Um, I would suggest if you guys, if the school doesn't already have like a, um, a, you know, storage shed where they have a corner that they can allot to you, you know, you may want to look into um, either have, you know, when you're setting up this program, you know, maybe your first project is building a storage shed you know, just a, you know, eight by 20 or something, you know, that you can have a, you know, a secured storage shed at the school. Obviously you're going to be bringing stuff over when you need it, but those are the things like scaffolding that you don't need every single day. You know, your, your tool trailer on the job site, you got to have though. I don't know how you're going to get around that. You got to look at yeah. it as a business. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you're covering all the trades. So that is so much stuff. It's yeah. just incredible. So much stuff to think about. How do students get into this program? Because we had a, a vocational program when I was in high school called out of school project. You didn't have to really apply to it. It was mostly an alternative to regular school and it was kind of looked down upon, I would say. Yeah. As I, as I recall, but you're building a high performance house. 
how does a kid get involved and and why to get into class you have to take uh either one or two classes intro to industry um which is the prerequisite prerequisite class which you're going to cover things in that like wood shop draft a little bit of drafting uh maybe cover a little bit of autocad um you, you know we're, we're, it, it's kind of a cover it's a blanket class we cover talk about anything everything architecture mm -hmm. let me talk about design whatever the teacher kind of wants to cover we cover um and now the good thing is we even start getting into the building science and stuff since we do focus on the high performance side of the builds uh they can also take ag mechanics um ag mech one our teacher over there they, 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 same thing. They get a little bit of welding, a little bit of woodworking, get a little, they get a little bit of everything over there. Um, and we, we count that as a prereq as well to get in the class. So you got to have the prereq. Second, you got to have, I have to get a good, and this will go back to the point you just made. I have to get a good report back from teachers about you because these programs used to always be the dumping grounds, right? even though there was a lot of smart kids in these programs, even when we were going through them back in the nineties and eighties and stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we, we all, that it, it, it sucks that those classes became that and a bad reputation. And the thing is a lot of these kids were only bad in class because they wanted to do something. They just didn't want to sit and be taught in no that doubt. traditional way. Right. They, no doubt. Yeah. So it wasn't we really that there. Now there was some bad kids. Don't get me wrong, but uh, here's the thing. We don't want those. We don't want the kids that are just being bad to be bad either. So, um, the good thing is when you are telling kids that they can get out of the school for three class periods, which is half their day and go build a house, you already got them after you said you get out of school for three hours of the day that you could have added anything onto the end of that. And they're like, what? I don't care. Right. So that, so for me, that it, it's people start wanting to do that, even if they just want to try it out. Now I got it, but I got to get a good report because it is, it's starting to get more competitive and that's what I want. Like. And then that's the thing, like um, we tell kids when they're in the younger, when they're coming into high school is like, if you want to be in this class, you can't be, I mean, I'll just say it, you can't be an asshole and deal other teachers, right? Because you, you gotta, we want somebody that we can rely on, rely on. They show up. Um, they aren't going to be a safety issue. That's the biggest thing. Um, so as far as getting in the class, that's how it works. Any, any kid can sign up as far as they have the prereq class. And if they hit at least a sophomore level and assuming their schedule um, can allow it if they have the room, because obviously they got to take care of the requirements. We are an elective class. Um, but yeah, that as far as getting into it, it's pretty standard of any class for school. So can a, can a C student get into the class? Can a student who's not... Oh doing who's not in a lot of my students only eight are in my class what's that i said a lot of my students only a's are in my class uh -huh. <laughs> but yeah the, the grades so the way we do this since it is an elective um and i, I do put an emphasis on this to, so just encourage the kids to turn in their homework do do better in their other classes is if you get behind in other classes, they yank you out of building trades and make you sit at the school and catch up on your homework. Oh. Um, so we use it. We, 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 I, and I was a big sports guy. Um, so we, I, I treat it a lot like sports. Like if you're not getting good grades, you're not coming here. You, you know, first we got to get you guys graduated from high school. That's, that's important. Well, no matter what you think about school, graduating from high school is still a big deal. And that's important. Um, it, it just, it, it, not that you can't be a success without it, 
there's plenty of people that can you know, are successful without graduating high school, high school, but it makes things a lot easier. And it also is just one of those things, you know what, you can get through this. I know as we were going through high school, this may seem like the hardest times of your life. And up to this point, maybe it is, but trust me, it probably is not going to be the hardest time of your life, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, get through, graduate. Um, and so, yeah, we, we use it. And, and you know, what? I get a lot of teachers that get a lot of my classes, uh, my kids, they come in from um, a, lot, a lot of seniors that go, my, go straight from my class in the morning into senior English. And the teacher's like, Hey, Matt, what can I, what can I do to kind of put this, you know, a lot of the, I have a lot of your kids. What can I make it a little bit more trade oriented on English? I was like, man, have them write up obviously like a resume, but have them write like a professional email. I was like, they're horrible at that kind of stuff. Mm. So I said, try, try to do it like they're requiring about a trades job. I said, do everything you do anyway. Just throw the word trades in it. And it, you know, like they're talking to a contractor. Um, so in, in my class and with the building science side of things, really, I, I need to do more with our science teacher um, because there's so much basic science. And that's the thing. A lot of people ask me about the high performance stuff and the building science stuff. I was like, it's not a hard sell to kids because they're already, a lot of this stuff is just basic physics and science that they're literally learning in class. Like, and, and same with math, you know, for us, it's been out of math class for a while. You know, you start thinking about algebra and trigonometry and physics and da, da, da. And it, the words become scary. And I, you know, I throw out the word Pythagorean theorem and the kids are like, oh yeah, A plus B plus B squared equals C squared, you know, because that's what they're doing right now. So it's all fresh. So that part is yeah. actually kind of easy for me. Cool. I like that. Um, that's a, that's an interesting inflection on the, for the English teacher and the science teacher. There's so much involved and, and it is because they can see the practical application. Um, and, yeah. you know, I saw that you guys crushed your, uh, your, your blower door test a couple weeks ago. You, you got like a yeah. point, point four one or something, which is epic. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, granted, we, we hadn't cut all the windows and stuff in yet, but we starting out at that point, that's a good spot to start out on. So like mm -hmm. our goal is to stay under the one uh, ACH 50. And the last one we started off, we had windows in. we started off at 0.6, something high six. And then this one, we got down to 0.4 with no windows in yet, but uh, I'm feeling very confident we're going to be under one without, any, you know, any real issues. So, yeah. yeah. That, and that's, I, a, that was an awesome learning opportunity there too. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. And I, no, I think that I, I, to achieve that number is, is awesome, but to have a bunch of kids, high school kids understand what that is, is so cool. That is such a unique thing. I can't even yeah. imagine having, that sort of experience when I was a kid, it took so much longer to get there for me. So, so cheers. That is, that is awesome. I love it. Um, Thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That yeah. is cool. I'm pretty proud of that. One of the things about this program, it's such a great opportunity. We are shorthanded nationwide. There's no one coming into trades. It feels like uh, it's happening where I live. There's no one to do the work anymore or there's fewer and fewer and fewer. Do you see an opportunity here for like a, a national endowment or some sort of charity where, where there's a centralized place 
where a person like me or anywhere in the country can go and be like, I want to start this program. Maybe there's an endowment that helps, you know, you could write a grant proposal to this endowment and get money. Is that something that's been talked about or am I just? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know of anything. I'm sure there probably are some program may, may, you know, if there are, I haven't came across them that, you know, foundation that's just solely doing that. Um, there are, you know, I know there are pockets of places helping, especially in, you know, in their local areas and stuff. Uh, one thing, when I went down to, um, international bill um, uh, here in February, I went there thanks to Sashko company. Um, and that, that was the talk. Like they brought me down to talk to, um, and Matt Reisinger was one of uh, one of the hosts with me. Was to talk to professionals and tradespeople's and manufacturers and these you know, companies that showed up to this thing. To you know, what would it take? Kind kind of like everybody keeps talking about this, so let let's bring everybody together and do something about this. Um, and that, that was one of the things I I mentioned. I said, you know, I don't know exactly what this looks like. Uh, I know this is what's going on at different areas in the country with different programs that are building houses um, specifically. Um, and I know which companies I've been able to team up with and partner with and work with on our own builds, um, which there's a lot of companies been very generous and which is awesome. And, and they're, they're completely open to helping other programs. So it's one of those things where I, I made the comment, you know, we may, this may take a foundation, a creation of a foundation to do. I, I don't know, because obviously when companies want to help out, they want, you know, even though it's charity, they want to return on investment, you know, they want their tax breaks and things like that. So, which is perfectly fine. Uh, so I don't know of a program. And if, if anybody listens to this and knows of one, please reach out and let us know. Um, Cause we, we are actively working right now to, find programs. I've had some teachers I'm in contact with that want to start these programs or school boards or their administrations on board. They just, you know, sign boat, just don't know quite what, how to go about it and what to do, but they are at least open to accepting this idea and looking into getting things started. So we are, we're, we're hoping through this process of maybe helping out some other schools get started. We can find out exactly what's the best route of going about this. Um, I'm not going to say I'm going to be the one that creates a foundation, but I have said that if anybody does, I would be more than happy to be on your board or an advisor or a network connecting person, whatever that may be. Um, so yeah, officially, I don't know of any, I do know, you know, Mike Rowe has things that he does to help out trades, uh, tool, uh, Harbor Freight Tools for Schools does a thing that helps out programs that are already there. Um, so there, there's a lot of things out there that's happening in pockets, um, but as like a one big thing where, you know, our, our goal is to have a handful of companies that says, all right, this, this school wants to start a program. And um, I'm just going to throw out names, the ones that I've worked with personally with our program. So, you know, we got like Huber, Rockwell, um, Sashko, um, you know, T-Stud, you know, all these guys say, all right, this school is going to start this program. Let's, we can give this much either money, resources, material, whatever it may be. And we can get this, this program lifted. So now that $200,000, well, maybe and now we have to do as a local area, maybe only needs to get half of that, you know, mm -hmm. and that, you know, and even though it's a lot of money, that becomes a lot more achievable. Um, so that is the goal. Uh, it's, 
um, being talked about in pockets. We're trying to bring all those pockets together and make this a thing. I don't know exactly what that'll be, um, but I do know if you are interested in starting this uh, network of people, company, and industry leaders and influencers that want to help do what they can to try to get this thing started for us, for schools and see how, the, you know, get the ball rolling on one and see what we need to do to make this a legit thing. Very cool. And I was going to, my next thing was going to be, uh, it's time for a sponsor drop because so many people have contributed to this and you just named four. <laughs> are there more, are there more sponsors you want to name? Cause, because I, 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 it's yeah. so important that people donate. And is there anyone else uh, besides Huber, Huberwood, Rockwell, Sashko, and T Stud? Yeah, and of course. Yeah. You know Matt um, Rising, Matt Risinger, and Steve Basic, and and I don't know Bob Kelly. Yeah. So Mark Willie, all those. Yep, Mark Willie, huge. I collaborate and talk with Mark probably daily. Um, Bob Kelly uh, with Wickwright. Uh, we got Carrier, thanks to uh, Steve Basic and the Build Show. Build Show will be on the job site here probably in about a month doing a thing with Carrier. Carrier donated, is donating the whole system. Zender is donating to our project. And now, and remind, I'll remind you, all these companies have helped out in different ways, whether it's a donation, discount, rebates, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody has their own different way. Yep. Um, Stego Wrap, uh, Sega. Um, Owens Corning helped out with shingles. Um, I want to make sure I'm going to try to make sure I don't miss everybody because there's so many people, Jake Bruton, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, some of these guys, some of them just advise, you know, advice, Travis Brungart, uh, the build show or the, um, BS and beer crew have been amazing consultants <laughs> and, uh, supporters of, uh, pro my program. Oh man. If I miss anybody, I'm so sorry too, guys. And th this is a good problem to have. I, I love the fact that I have this problem that I got to run through everything. Um, but yeah, I definitely know those. And then of course I have my local people who, you know, uh, Kevin Hamill, Concrete, I know they, they probably don't listen, but maybe they will. Uh, ben Morrison Electric, uh, Nolan's Plumbing, Cooling, uh, uh, Yard, Heating, Heating, Cooling, helped out on the last house, uh, you know, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty great, you know, local and national and the national wise build show. Um, Peter at the build show uh, has, you know, is working on getting some other uh, people involved in it as well and stuff. When I was talking to him at the, uh, um, the builders show in Florida mm -hmm. and stuff. So uh, Peter, Peter the best Yost. part of all this is these people have just opened up their network to me. Say that again, Mike. Oh, I said Peter Yost, right? Yeah, he's he's on the unbuild it. Uh, yep. I have I've actually got talked to Peter a couple times in person, um, and then the, the IG community that you and I are both involved in, and we probably could list off many of the same names. Oh yeah, uh, the community is great. I mean, I get all so much help and the information, and people uh, Lydia Crowder from the Build Show, Eric, you know from the Build Show, all these guys are like, hey, talk, you know, here, here's the email to this company, reach out. Tell them, you know, use my name, tell them what you're doing. And, you know, thanks to Lydia. I mean, that's how we've been getting these drywall tools and stuff. And mm. yeah, it's been quite right wonderful. On. So yeah, Can-Am, Can-Am from um, 
in Canada for drywall tools. Yeah. That's incredible. Do you, is there anything else you'd recommend for, you know, a builder or parents or teachers, et cetera, who uh, want to make a point of entry for trades? You know, maybe this program is big for, for a first, for a first go. Uh, are there other things we, people could do? Uh, you know, for instance, I've seen the the Sweet 16 wall project competition going around. I'm not totally familiar with it, but I just saw that. Sweet 16 wall assembly competition. Uh, Travis Brungart, uh, BC, or sorry, BS and Beer, Case, Kansas City. And then uh, Connor Malloy, he's a teacher up at um, in Canada. They, they have relaunched this for this. It's the third year, second year they're doing it as student edition. So if there's any shop teachers or actually get a hold of your shop teachers, your trades teachers, construction teachers at the schools, they're doing a wall assembly contest and it's all student based. Uh, go to wallassembly.com. You can find out all the rules. The prizes are pretty huge. I think first place, I think the students that win first place get $1,000. Um, they, they literally lay, raised 500, 500. They li literally raised $5,000 in like the first 24 hours for prize, just prize cash. Um, plus they got, you got all the big hitters on Instagram, building science stuff. Um, it's a great educational opportunity um, diving into wall assemblies and you're getting the judges on there. I got a judge at last year and I felt like the freshman on the varsity squad. And you got names like Steve Basic, Mike Gurton, Jake Bruton, Christina Williamson, fight, building science fight club. Um, Emily Matram, uh, Ben Bogey. Uh, I don't know if I got Sean St. Namor. Uh, I think I got all of them maybe. I, I mean, it's a big, like to bring all these people together to talk, you know, if they were charging their full like commission, I mean, this, this is all for free. And if they, mm -hmm. I mean, if they're charging full scale commissions for their consulting services, no school could afford that, especially and most businesses wouldn't be able to afford to bring all them in together. And they're doing this for the good of the industry. So the wall assembly, if teachers out there, whether you're junior high, high school, college level, get in there um, and take a look at that. It is a very cool, great opportunity, great learning opportunity. Um, the other, other ways though, for me, you know, I would say ours is kind of, not that ours is the best way to do this. Everybody, you know, to each their own, but I know ours is one of the bigger ways of doing this program, building a house from the ground up. But there's other ways. Uh, Frank Cacavell, he's a teacher in New Jersey. Uh, they, they, they work with Habitat and they literally build the house in the parking lot right outside the shop. And they do an amazing job and they're, they're teamed up with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, so that's a good one. When I taught at a prison before the high school, that's what we did. We, we pre-framed walls for Habitat for Humanity and we pumped out that the prison, by the time I got there, I'd only done maybe about 30 of them. But by the time we left, that the, the facility had done over 220 houses. Um, then uh, Scott Hughes, he's in Kansas City area. I think they do a um, – the kids are there 50% of the time, and then they have professionals working on it, and the kids come and work with the professionals. Mike DeGeis is out in Denver, Colorado. He works for Cherry Creek. They are a um, – career center. So they have, uh, multiple high schools come to them. They're in Denver area. Uh, they, they, they've teamed up with the city of Denver and they build these pods, these, uh, sleeping pods. And, um, it goes around like a single tiny house that has the bathrooms, kitchen and everything in it. 
And they made a, a, a nice deal with the city of Denver that developers who are sitting on property downtown or in the city's limits get like um, cut, rebates or cuts on their real estate property. And they put up these, these uh, very nice pods and shelters that people trans, um, you know, going from homelessness and back into the workforce, you know, into um, functioning society, you know, uh, as far as having your own house and stuff that, that they, they get to live in these house, these little um, pods and stuff. Um, and they are pretty cool. I mean, they work with architects and everything. These things are legit. So that's a very cool situation, especially when you're getting into the urban areas, you know, for us, we're more rural, so there's property, but you know, you get in the urban, a, the property is ridiculously pricey and B is just, it's more scarce. And one thing that we want to do too, is we want to do remodel. I want to get a remodel for me. I want to, it's going to be a high performance remodel, you know, bringing a house up to those standards. Um, you know, we got a house, you know, there, there's plenty of pro properties that could be worked on. It's now for us, the way we'd handle that is we'd have, we'd sub out the work to it, a, if there's any foundation repair, it needs to be done and B probably getting things gutted out. Um, as far as, you know, plaster or if you have anything, you know, to deal with lead or asbestos, of course, if you want to get that taken care of before you get students in there, but that could be a good way, you know, have a house flipping program. Um, these are all ways that are, don't cost $200,000 <laughs> to start and the Habitat for Humanity or building tiny houses. Um, there's a lot of veterans, homeless veterans programs. We were looking at that when I was at the prison that you can get involved in. The nice thing is now you're building, all you're really doing is need to get your tools, uh, tool up your program because now you're building on someone else's dollar. So that's a really affordable way to go. And you're, you're, you're supplying a great need out there as well. So it's silly that we don't have more of this. It's silly that there isn't like, and maybe there is, I just don't know about it yet, that there isn't already funding and programs put in place because you have free labor, of people in, you know, in minimum security prisons and in, in schools that are eager, people are eager to learn, eager to do stuff, eager to do things with their hands. And we have a whole population of people in not only in our country, but around the world that need affordable housing. So you're, you're killing two birds with one stone by creating these things. Well, actually, probably killing a lot more birds with one stone uh, by killing it, uh, creating these. But at least those two big problems are taken care of right away. Yeah. Matt, when you look back, who would you say your greatest mentor was? Um, my dad definitely got me into woodworking and stuff like that. Um, he, he, my dad's actually a Lutheran minister, um, but we he's he's the one that got me into woodworking um he's also the one that got me interested in power tools because he always made me use the hand tools and i hated it <laughs> so mm. anytime uh it was father's day or christmas or birthday mom be like what's your dad need and i'd be like oh he needs a circular saw he needs a jigsaw <laughs> so that way i could use it <laughs> um that's definitely where that came in um the um but my biggest mentor as far as getting me you know where i became a carpenter and you know really got into the trades was dave mormon um he was a uh, his daughter my sister uh katie was best friends like ryan his daughter ryan was i mean was pretty much another sister so in the summers uh towards the end of high school i'd i worked for him and then in college i'd work for him 
And he was a carpenter. I mean, he's, you know, just like this small town carpenter contractor. So you do a little bit of everything, you know, we're one day you're siding next day, you're building a deck next day, you're building a house next, you know, you're doing a little bit of everything. So that's where I really got into everything. And he took the time to really teach me things. Um, And it actually hired me right back after college. And that's kind of where my career really, I guess, the trajectory I went on. Uh, unfortunately he was battling cancer. I, I owe a lot to Dave Mormon. Um, you know, he's definitely missed. He was a great guy, great teacher, definitely gone too soon kind of thing. But, uh, you know, if it wasn't for working for him, I, you know, not saying I wouldn't be a handy person. I don't know if I would have fell in this, uh, career path though. What do you value most? Gotta say family, you know, once, uh, once you become a parent and stuff, everything else just kind of is like, yeah, well, as long as the kids are good, as long as they're healthy, as long as they're okay. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up in a big family. I was oldest of four. My mom was middle of three and my dad was middle of five. So we've always had, you know, lots of family, lots of cousins. Uh, mom was from Indiana. Dad was from Minnesota. So, you know, we traveled a lot in our eyes as kids, we traveled a lot because we went to Indiana, Minnesota to visit family. Um, so for us, and it's one of those things you, you only got to see them once or twice a year. So the fact that we'd always pick up right where we left off, uh, family has just been a big thing. Uh, I have a big family now. Um, of course I kind of married into the, you know, 75% of that with, uh, Carmen having four girls and then we had two more to add on. Um, but, uh, and as, as, you know, our oldest is getting ready to go out to college, uh, and our, our youngest, the son you just came into the room a few minutes ago is no longer a baby. You, you know, you just, now, you know, you see what your parents are saying, how everything gets moving so fast, you know, they grow like weeds. So I can't, I can't say there's anything else that takes presence over that. Matt, what's your advice for the next generation? I'm going to go with kind of like my mindset when I was growing up and it seemed to work out pretty well for me. I know it may not work out for everybody, but try everything, like as many things as you can do. Don't be afraid, travel some, experience different things, because that is the only way you're going to know what you like to do and what you don't like to do. The older you get, you know, the you, you realize how life, how fast life does move. Um, obviously, you know, spend time with your friends, your family, uh, the more experiences you can get, especially positive experiences, obviously. Um, and then it, negative experiences, uh, use those as opportunity to learn and grow and just be a better person. Um, you know, things that, these are things I tell my students all the time. These things I tell my own kids, uh, things, luckily people told me when I was growing up that I at least listened enough to try and do, and it's paid off. Um, I had no intentions in life of being a, uh, building trades teacher at all. <laughs> Did not think this is where I was, life was going to go. Uh, and it worked out pretty well for me. So, and, and when you do find things you like, keep on running down that Avenue, try different things with that. Um, it, something, you know, hopefully it all just works out the way it's supposed to. That, uh, experiencing as many things as you can really resonates with me. I, I didn't take a clear path into being a contractor in any way, but I had fun time getting here. And I learned a yeah. lot along and I learned a lot trying different things and I failed a lot at different things. Oh yeah. Oh but, yeah. Matt, let's do a little speed round. And this is this, this is, I've been asking these same questions to all my guests. Um, what is your favorite tool? 
Oh man, that's a good one. You know what? One thing I, and I don't get to use it very often and it, I, I find it very fun and satisfying to use is the expander tool when you're hooking up pecs mm. plumbing. I don't know why it just, it's, it's almost so easy that you just love, it's like when I get done hooking up all the plumbing, I'm like, dang it, I'm done already. Like, cause it makes the job go so fast. And I will give a shout out to, uh, you know, getting into some of the drywall finishing tools. Um, man, when you, when you run a mud box and it just looks nice after running it one time and after you've done all that work with hand tools in the past and just never got good at it, that's pretty satisfying too. So right now, those are kind of my two favorites. I really, when we're working on that stuff at the job site, I get pretty excited about getting to the job and working with and showing the kids how to use and the kids really enjoy the expander tool so pex expander tool right now <laughs> makes you well, feel that, like a pro i i i totally can relate on that one i i have a dewalt pex expander tool and i love it what is the most useful tool the cat's paw and pry bar gets used a lot and mm. <laughs> even if it's not fix and repair or your mess ups i mean it just it's something that i hate not having as yeah, far as a power uh, tool good, goes, good. most useful. That's... Man, the impact guns. I mean, yep. they're they, they an extension of our tool belts anymore, right? I mean, we almost always have one hanging off of ourselves. So I'm going to say useful power tool at the moment. What's, the, what's <laughs> your where have you been all my life tool? Oh, gosh, those are other ones that we've had. What, man, drywall finishing tools. Yeah, I've, I bet. I've I've seen your students. I've seen your students run the boxes, and I thought that was super cool. And the bazooka, which is awesome. Yeah, the the automatic and semi-automatic tools. Uh, geez, if I would have had those things when we were doing, especially remodels, um, and me and me and our my business partner, we talked about getting those tools. And we just never did. Okay. Best joke. Best joke. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh my gosh. I'm a sucker for dad jokes and I do them all the time. Bring it. Oh, uh, what have I done here lately though? Oh, I'll, I'll hear. I, it's not really a joke, but I'll tell you a funny, a funny thing I did to a student once. How about that? Okay. Okay. So we were doing safety and one of the questions is, and we were reviewing for the safety test. So one of the questions is, um, or the, the, the answer is older people are more prone to injuries like back injuries than younger people. So we we're, we we're studying for a safety quiz in class. And, uh, one of the, my former students, Raiden, uh, good sense of humor, fun kid, had a lot of fun with them. Just got a job with the, uh, electric union, uh, here recently stopped by and told me this. So he's a graduate. So we're in class and I said, all right, between me and Raiden, who's most likely to get hurt on the job site? And everyone's like, you, you, you. I said, no, Raiden, because he's a wuss. It's <laughs> so, of course, you can only have, you only do those jokes with certain kids in the class and stuff. Of course, he laughed, the class laughed. So that, that was one of my, I'm going to say, even though it's not really, it's a joke, but it was an opportunistic joke, right? So that, that, that one was one that gets stood out. And people, some of my former students still talk about their, remember when you burnt Raiden in class? I was like, oh, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get to do a lot of that fun stuff. Job site camaraderie. 
That's oh, yes, absolutely. There's a lot of it. All right. You got a lot of students hanging out at this house. Uh, what is the best job site snack? Oh, we have one kid. Uh, his mom, about every three days, seems to show up with a bag of McDonald's biscuit, sausage biscuits. <laughs> and that so, keeps the yeah. That that and 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 usually sometimes I always eat breakfast in the morning. So sometimes I'm not hungry, but Friday for whatever reason I was hungry and uh Lisa showed up, handed the McDonald's bag out the window to one of the boys, and uh they're like, Bloomy, you want one? I'm like, Yeah, I do today. So that that's the morning class is pretty good on um that I have had kids that didn't like school lunch and have actually ordered pizza at the job site. I just told them I was like, Well, you can do it, just you can't eat the pizza until you're done working. So mm -hmm. cool. And what are the best job site jams? Oh, for me personally, I'm an alternative nineties alternative guy. So that's uh -huh. why I, if I, if I'm picking the tunes, that's what I'm going to pick. Um, the, the kids, anytime that sometimes the music really sucks. <laughs> uh -huh. Every generation says that about the younger one. Right. Um, but man, whenever they, whenever they're throwing back, you know, for them playing the oldies, which is just nineties music they get into, I'm, I'm, I'm always digging that. So I like when the kids will throw that on there and stuff and it happens. Sometimes they throw on some good hip hop stuff, but yep. the new stuff isn't very good. The older, you know, our, our stuff was good. Like it was real. It, so, but yeah, uh, yeah. If, if, I, if it's my choice, I'm throwing on nineties alternative. Well, cool, Matt. I, I really appreciate you joining me. And I, I think we've, kind of laid down a cool template for um someone who might want to start this program and i'm going to keep in touch with you and and see and Absolutely. And, and and see how things go here i don't imagine it's going to be a quick process to launch yeah it. yeah i mean i i'm the quick side of things i'm guessing yeah I would be hard. I'd be impressed if somebody starts this from the first word of it to, you know, getting it rolling. If you could do it, I would say it's going to at least take two years, at least. And the, mm -hmm. that'd be the quickest I could see anybody turning that around just because there, there's, there's a lot to it, especially if you're going like what we're doing now, if you're going to do the habitat thing, uh, that's something you could probably set up and next school year have rocking and rolling um just because mm -hmm. th those things are set already kind of set in place mm -hmm. um you just the schools would have to retool um for themselves it, or maybe they already have the tools so th those kind of programs you could you could do a pretty quick turnaround although when they told me that we were starting a program they told me in february and we started the next year but the money and support was already in place the support was already in place from when we had it when it shut down the, the six years before that so um, we had all that foundation already there. So all we needed was the money at that point. We already had to go ahead and the support. We just needed the, the funds. So, um, yeah, each one's going to be different, but if you're starting everything from this go, I'd be shooting for that somewhere in two to three year range to get the, you know, first, first backhoe dig into the ground. Good to know. And for everybody out there listening, I've been talking to, Matt Bloomquist, and you can check out this project he's working on at Build, Learn, Teach on Instagram. 
where really there it's a it's a great um presentation of what they're doing and videos pictures it's really neat and you can also catch matt on the shop class podcast which is cool it's a it's a bunch of shop teachers hanging out and guests show up and talk about fun projects and whatever they're up to trying to foster the next generation of of creators and builders and and whatever else so uh, thanks yeah. for being here today matt i really appreciate it hey this is awesome mike hey today's shout out goes to jared kaufman jared congrats on winning the nailing contest at jlc live keep it up youngin us old guys need a break stay tuned for a public service announcement if you enjoyed the show learn something or experience affirmation about what you're doing Leave a comment or a review on iTunes, on the podcast app on your phone, or on my website, thecontractinghandbook.com. Wherever you listen, please subscribe to help get the show to more people like you. Remember, the work we leave behind us is our legacy, wherever we are in the world. Also, if you found value in the content and feel like making a contribution for production, go to my Venmo account, Mike Kenoki one All right, that's all I got.